Yeah, I, I would probably add to that. Um, this now is, this is, I suppose you've kind of alluded to it yourself. It's not a, it can never really be a finished article, I think. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's one of those things where, as you say, you kind of, you evolve as a human, right? And what's important mm -hmm. to you through different times of your life be, also evolves. And, and so um, I, I think from my own perspective, that's also a realization, like it, mm -hmm. it as part of this overall journey that, you know, just because what I set five years ago might have been something, it doesn't mean that that's going to be my legacy statement now. Um, and that was important to me. And because I also was one of these guys that used to really beat himself up, beat yeah. himself up if he wasn't hitting the goals. Whereas yeah. now I, I've, I've taken a lot more of a, a philosophical approach to it that, it that maybe just wasn't the right goal in the first place. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Hello, Governor. Welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Were you doing a British accent because of our guest? I was trying. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> Unless we're going to Gasparilla. Hello, Governor. You never get me lucky charms. Um, everything turns into a pirate at the end. That's just, that's that's just that's... even my even my leprechauns have a peg leg. I don't know what to tell you. That's just all your Scottish is. characters have eye patches and a parrot, apparently. It's, it's just getting my belly and every other Mike Myers uh, episode that I <laughs> I can reference. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, this is a pretty interesting episode. We had fun with this one. It was a little bit different than where I thought it was going to go, I think. Yeah, no, I thought it was honestly really, really insightful and um, something I think that everybody can identify with, right? Especially anyone who's had a health scare of any kind. Um, I think Phil did just an amazing Yeah, it's, it's our good friend Phil Street who I've known for a while, probably for about four years now, been lucky enough to be on his podcast, which is an award-winning podcast. He's based in the United Kingdom and his podcast is called Hospitality Meets. And the reason that he really plays in that space because that's been his whole career. He's been uh, in hospitality for 30 years and catering and hotels and cruise lines. And so when you see the type of guests that he has on there, usually restaurants, hotels, CEOs, founders, um, and people are really noticing in, in Britain. I think it's kind of cool that uh, he, he just sort of started something. He wasn't sure how it was going to go and, and a couple of years ago, and it has skyrocketed. So it's, it's not the only thing he does. Um, you know, he's also the founder of something called Momentum Hospitality Recruitment which is a boutique recruitment company, which really sources uh, really senior executive positions, again, in hospitality. So that's that's the lane he swims in. But uh, when we came up with the title, when I was going to him, so he's an example of somebody who I, I had met him, I'd done some things on his show. I said, I, you're interesting, man. I'd love for you to be on ours. He gave me four or five different topics. And the probably the vaguest out of all of those was how to get busy living. I had no idea where it was going to go. Personal, maybe. Professional, I'm sure. 
uh, let's see where it lands. And uh, man, it was a it was a bit of a surprise. It was like you said, anybody who's gone through something, whether it's it's some type of trauma or health scare, mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be right up their alley. It was really refreshing to listen to him. If it doesn't work, he can always go to hospitality meets M E A S and then just sell different cuts. We have the hospitality meets. It'd be like Arby's, (laughs) right? He could totally do that. In fact, for the UK's version of Arby's, Phil, Phil these ideas are free. You take what you want, my friend. Enjoy. There he is. Phil street. This technology does work across the pond. Phil's in the UK, man, and it is great to see you. How you doing, brother? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. Good. Yeah. Doing well. Sometimes yeah. I, I, I want to be over in your country instead of <laughs> the craziness <laughs> that goes on over here. I think the grass is greener, right, wherever you are, because I think um, wherever you are in the world right now, I think you're probably enduring some interesting times. So uh, I suppose take solace in the fact that everybody's in the – well, most people are in the same boat. Yeah. Well, we already agreed Scandinavia seems to be doing fine. So one of those three or four countries up there. That's right. We ought to be doing all of our – It's like Higgy, isn't it? Higgy, is that what you call it? Yeah. I don't know. Is that what it, I think yeah, that might be a British term. I don't know. Something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what you'll realize as we go through the podcast is that I just make most of it up right. as I'm going. So uh, that's kind of life, really. <laughs> yeah. Also, I did wonder, do you guys need a, um, subtitles or a, um, a translator or something like that? No, you speak. We're just going to go through. We're going to go through and just make up stuff, man. So whenever you're done, we'll just make sure we... Whatever we want to be said will be said right underneath right. whatever you say. Great stuff. And if we get to a point where we think we're going to make fun of you and Brand's going to move into some British uh, language, just know it's really a pirate. That's what happens. He starts with some foreign language, I get, but it, I all, it all ultimately turns into a pirate. Very good. It's my only accent that I have. It's That's just it. pirate. It's always it. <laughs> well, man, this is great. We're so happy that you're here and a pretty interesting topic as well. I mean, we talked about it in the intro here, how to get busy living. And uh, man, we, we did not talk before. This could be personal. This could be professional. We did not want to know your three things until we got on the air here. So I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to bring to the party, but certainly us always trying to help people out with their issues, their obstacles. I think you're the perfect guy to do this. And uh, so we're going to leave it over to you, man. What What is your first thought that rocks on how to get busy living? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I mean, having listened to a number of your other guests, I can absolutely categorically tell you that I do not have a Nobel Peace Prize nomination. Um, not yet, anyway, but maybe that's part of the Today. overall overarching message. Um, I think it, the my first thought, and I don't know if, if you would permit me to tell you a story as to how this first thought came about, because that probably is the better way to do it. Yeah. Um, rather than just coming, because it won't have any context. But um, at the age of 39, I'm 45 now. Um, I had a... a well, actually two health diagnoses that happened in, within three months of each other. Mm. Um, so this is, a, this is a very personal story, I would say. It's, it's uh, not, I suppose personal and professional are very 
closely connected in the end. But um, but yeah, very very personal side okay. of how I've started this kind of get busy living kind of quest of mine. Um, I got first of all, uh, my wife and I had been uh, trying to start a family. Um, we were not making any progress progress on that front um and we went through all of the kind of the things that you do in that time went to seek medical help etc etc and and we were we were actually told these were the exact words that the doctor used uh, that you won't be able to have children mm. um and I'll come back to that in a minute because that's actually massively important as to kind of what happened next um but then 3 months later I also then got a personal diagnosis which were completely unrelated um, which was that I have something called tethered cord syndrome, which is a uh, basically it's kind of exactly as it sounds. My spinal cord is tethered to my spine. So what that means is, in my specific circumstances, um, that it inhibits certain things around. In my case, it's toilet function. I get uh, leg pain down my left side in the, in the main. It's not there all the time. It comes and goes but it is a debilitating issue and it will get worse over time. Mm. So it, it was one of those things that as, as a physical guy, I've always loved sports, kind of you name it, I've always kind of tried my hand at, at sport. Those two things happened to me and they really, really rocked my world uh, at the time. But I didn't even realise that at the time. I, I did the typical British thing, stiff upper lip, let's, you know, this stuff happens, let's just deal with it and, and move on. But actually I wasn't dealing with it. And that was, uh, but I didn't know that this was eating away at me. And I think this is, this is why I wanted to tell that little story because actually that gives context to my first thought, um, which is all around legacy vision, uh, which is not even something that I even was aware was a thing. Hmm. I've always been, a, I suppose, quite a, a vision orientated person. I like to think big. I've always liked to believe that I can do something amazing. Um, but then that happens. And it was it was a, a realization for me. One, I, sat, I had a moment where I sat down with my business partner who uh, one breakfast meeting said to me, Phil, what's wrong? Uh, and I said, there's nothing wrong. What do you mean? He said, No, there's something wrong, because you're not yourself, you're not performing at work like you normally do, something's really wrong. And it was that moment was kind of the ground zero for me, because that was the first time that I think I'd really identified that whatever was going on within me was now emitting out into the world yeah. um, and was affecting not just my own performance, but how people perceive me, uh, I guess. So I sought some help. Um, I think, which is when some, when you, my business partner is also my best mate. When, you know, he came to me as a mate to tell me the, this, that he was concerned about me, you kind of have to take it seriously, you know? Um, and so I, I uh, sought out a life coach who was in the moment. That was just one of those things that just seemed to happen. I got referred to somebody just out of the blue. Um, and we, her and I sat down for a, a, for a few sessions, only three sessions in the end. And actually, this is when I came to this leg legacy vision. And what had happened for me was is that a legacy vision was that the, the one that I'd created was all around a picture. That's that perfect picture that you see in the mantelpiece with you know mum, dad, two kids, dog, house, you know, 
Oh, that kind of that was the, the the vision that was in my head, and so obviously to have that taken away. And by the way, it's not true that we can't have children. That's probably a different part of the story. But in any case, um, what happened was is that she identified through a, a series of very very complicated techniques that are way beyond my pay grade. That actually that legacy vision was not mine. It was imprinted on me from what I believed to have been the, you know, the major things that are going to make me successful and happy. But that was a societal pressure that was coming from external parties. Um, you know, and, and so ultimately it was one of those moments whereby when it happened, I'll never ever forget this uh, session. It happened in the second session. And at the end of it, I didn't really think much of it. I didn't really have a big epiphany with it or anything like that. But in the car on the way home, I had to pull over and absolutely bawled my eyes out just because I think this whole realization, all of this stuff that I'd just been hanging on to just finally had kind of released itself. And all of a sudden it be, it was all about now. Okay. So if that's not my legacy vision, what is it? Because actually, ultimately, if you think about this, it's, this is an identity thing. This is a, about you kind of not really knowing who you are you know you're 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 somebody else's idea of what you should be you're not your own idea of what you should be so that's uh, I think my my uh, the first step for me was this realization I honestly the way off was just unbelievable um and in that moment I just remember thinking to myself okay so now's life starts now really doesn't it because you need to go and figure out what your new legacy vision is. Because I am a, I'm, I'm the sort of guy that places focus on that. So I have to find one. I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second that everybody out there has to go find one. Everybody's different. But certainly for, for the visual people amongst us, the, the dreamers, the, the people who don't, I mean, you, say, you said, uh, we're going to talk about three thoughts. I remember thinking to myself, God, three, how do I condense what goes on in here? down to three thoughts um so yeah it was uh I, I suppose that's that's the first one for me yeah legacy vision change um and when i realized that it was it was a, a big a big stride forward well i'm gonna let brant come right out of the gate swinging on this one because when you use words like find your legacy vision this is the kind of work that he does as well and whether you discover it find it create it design your own you know everybody's probably going to be a little bit different but i can see where especially when it comes to life changing um this is the type of stuff that requires you to think a little bit differently than you were before especially when you have in your case a couple of health scares brant does this sort of line up with the the work that you do personally professionally yeah totally totally so you know uh phil the work that I do is all centered around core values. Uh, I have referred to them as black sheep values, uh, which is basically uh, centered around the idea that a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So it is 100% authentically original and it can't be made into something it wasn't meant to be. Um, so I believe we all possess five black sheep values. These are values that no matter how much someone wants to twist or try to change you, they simply won't be moved. Um, our goal every day is to feed our sheep, right? We've got to feed these values. They don't all get the same amount. 
um, of attention, but they all get some attention every single day. And we do that so that they uh, stay close to us when we need them, especially in times of crisis. Um, and so the idea of you realizing that your legacy vision was not yours is something that we come across all the time, right? So we have an assessment that we give and we've had tens of thousands of people take this assessment and it helps them identify what their five non-negotiable values are. And what we know is that out of those five, two or three of them are just fabricated bullshit. Um, they are other people's sheep. And some of us have been conditioned to care for other people's sheep our whole lives, whether that's from society, whether that's from family, um, whether you grew up having to care for an elderly grandparent or a sibling, or you were taught such and such in church or whatever religion you follow. You know, we, we have all these things that are, are what we are told we should care about, but we never do the work to figure out what our own non-negotiables are. So legacy to me comes from living out your purpose, but purpose comes from activating your values. And so the idea and the work that we do is when you identify these five values, those values get put into a purpose statement for your life so that you know exactly that your what and your why are in alignment. And when those are in alignment, it allows you to have incredible impact in the world um, for whatever your mission might be. Now the mission changes all the time, but our values and our purpose outside of an, uh, you know, some sort of catastrophic event, they simply don't change. So our values are pretty much set in us by the time we're in our early twenties. Um, and outside of a catastrophic event, they pretty much don't change. And if we feel like our purpose has changed, it's because we misidentified our values in the first place. And so the work that we do is try to get people to discover what that is, how it works and are these your sheep? Are they your values or are they somebody else's values that have you've been caring for, for, for years, in some cases, decades. Yeah. And so it resonates completely with me, the, the, what you're talking about here of, of finding a legacy statement that is uh, in alignment with what really matters to you. Yeah. I, I would probably add to that. Um, this now is, this is, I suppose you've kind of alluded to it yourself. It's not a, it can never really be a finished article i think i think it's it's one of those things where as you say you kind of you evolve as a human right and what's important to you through different mm -hmm. times of your life also evolves and and so um I, I think from my own perspective that's also a realization like it, it as part of this overall journey that you know just because what i set five years ago might have been something it doesn't mean that that's going to be my legacy statement now um, and that was important to me and because I also was one of these guys that used to really beat himself up, beat himself up if he mm. wasn't hitting the goals. Whereas now yeah. I, I've, I've taken a lot more of a, a philosophical approach to it that, it that maybe just wasn't the right goal in the first place. Yeah, it's very much the, you know, the so I, I split things into what, why and how, right? What are values, why is purpose and how is mission? Um, and so when you look at it in, in that way, in the way that, that we frame it, um, your legacy statement is the how, right? That's the, that's the how you're living out your life, which changes all the time, right? You, that, that should not be static, but your what and your why are static. And when you understand and embrace the fact that they are static and they don't change, um, it allows you to be really creative 
with the how, right? So how that legacy is formed, how that transpires, how you're going to impact somebody um, changes with every opportunity that you have and how you're doing it today most certainly won't be how you're doing it tomorrow or five five months, five years down the road, whatever that looks like. Those are designed to change. But I think what's really important, at least from our, our, our research and, and the stuff that we've done here, purpose and values rarely, rarely change. But how we honor those things change all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this feels like a session. It does already. This is yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> More than that, I was like, I don't know what you paid that therapist for three visits, but you just got Brant for free. So you know, yeah, I did. <laughs> the, 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 what is it? You've got twelve listeners, isn't that right? Did I pick that up from a 14. previous episode? Thirteen. That's, that's oh, thir very good. thirteen. So Baker's dozen. Yeah, yeah. We have one in South Korea. So. <laughs> that's Listen, Brant for first be paid in Bitcoin. So if you could make that happen, that would be. That I would do. Be Sheeb. Sheeb. It's going to make a comeback. Sheeb is. Listen, I hope you're right. We will be right back after this message. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference. All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. So it's it's funny. Um, you know, I said in the introduction that I was lucky enough, obviously, to be on your show, um, Hospitality Meets, a couple times, Phil. I appreciate that. Um, we never got to this deep level conversation for sure. And, you know, who, who knew that this would go? I didn't know that about your background. And, and uh, man, just so appreciative that you felt, you know, that this would be a, a great thing to share with people to get to that thought, because certainly there are people that are going through things. Everybody we meet is fighting a battle we know nothing about. And so Absolutely. for you, um, you know, I, I think probably like a lot of people think about us. I mean, when they see us online, we're out there doing the song and dance and very, being very positive. But listen, we got baggage. We have trauma. We have stuff that's going on all the time. And uh, some people are okay with sharing that stuff. And, and I think most of us probably aren't for you to do that uh, on our show to, to help some others out there. I think people are going to resonate with that one. So thank you, man, for, for sharing that. What is, um, um, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no I, I, I was just going to say, I think this is also a, a big realization for me is that, you know, the, the vast majority of people out there probably identify themselves as being pretty average, ordinary, everyday people just doing the best with what they can and trying to, you know, get on and get ahead as much as possible. Yeah. And that for me is actually a really powerful story in itself. And I think it's taken me a long time to realize that actually, one, how do you define what average, ordinary, everyday is in, in any case? But mm -hmm. even if that is how you perceive yourself, 
you kind of have to take solace in the knowledge that every single one of us has got something extraordinary within us. Yeah. And it just might take, you know, a few years to get it out. Um, and what that looks like, as we've already kind of touched upon, is kind of when you center in on who you are and you become a lot more self-aware around these things, it really helps stride that forward. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it is one of those things. And actually, you know, it, this, it could be a really selfish thing for me, just being very open to share these things because it's, it helps me kind of work through it in my own head as to to what's right but as you quite rightly say everybody everybody's fighting something yeah you know there's a there's a saying adversity comes for us all right so we might mm -hmm. as well be ready for it or at least if we can't be ready for it just you know open your arms to it when it does come your way yeah yeah i think it's you know what you're talking about is is in, from my side is moving from awareness to acceptance, right? That's, that's the toughest part. You can be aware that, that, um, you possess these skills or you have these sorts of values or whatever that might be, but hardly any of us get to acceptance where we accept ourselves for who we really are. Right. And when you understand and you work through that and you accept yourself for, in my, in my language, that true original that you are originals are one of a kind. That's why they're Thank called you. original, right? And when you realize you're one of a kind, one of a kinds have no competition. There is nothing to compare something to that is one of a kind. And when you accept that for yourself, then you realize there's no need to compare yourself to anyone because one of a kind things don't require that. It's why it's so difficult to put a value on something that is one of a kind. Mm. And that's the whole goal is when you move from self-awareness to self-acceptance and you go, this is who I am. I accept this is who I am. Um, Bob Proctor has a book that, that he has a quote in it that says self-awareness opens the door, but self-acceptance keeps it open. It holds it open. And that's, that's the big difference, right? Is that self-awareness requires constant back and forth. You got to open the door, close the door, open the door, close the door with every conversation. But self-acceptance opens the door and sticks that stopper on the end and it just stays open and you can be who you are and walk back and forth through that doorway without all the effort of awareness, right? And so the idea is to get to acceptance and so few of us actually ever get to acceptance that we exhaust ourselves with self-awareness to the point where we paralyze ourselves and we overanalyze everything. I just saw a shirt the other day that said, overthinker. And I'm like, hell yeah, what? that is 99% of the world. We overthink everything. And if we just got to acceptance, it really releases a lot of that pressure and anxiety we put on ourselves. I think when this episode comes out, I'm I don't know if it's going to be weird to have nothing compares to you, like in the background. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, you know, Sinead O'Connor or Prince, which one is appropriate for you? It's pretty bang on time, though, isn't it? Sixteen hours in the Both of them are not That's that. I know that is. All right, man. I, I I don't know. I don't know where we're going on the second one. I know <laughs> we can stop there, but I'm gonna take a chance. <laughs> what was your second thought that rocks? Yeah, well, I think it's all part of the same journey. Really, is is that what happens in that time when you get uh, a health diagnosis which uh, shakes you? is that um, everybody around you, and I include the, the doctors uh, in this, um, start talking to you about the stuff that you can no longer do. Mm. And that 
took it took me a long time again to to work through that um and actually I, I just i actually came to that conclusion on my own is that one day i was just getting a bit frustrated around thinking okay so everybody's telling me that i can't now go for a run uh maybe i'm just going to go for a run and see what happens um and so then it just becomes these small incremental tests to see what i can do so it sounds, it sounds like such a subtle change in mindset, but to go from a, a state whereby you're focusing on all of the things that you can no longer do to then start focusing on the stuff that you can, that was, it was a total game changer for me. And, um, you know, almost instant happiness, you know, when, when it, it, it came on that I actually, do you know what? Nobody can tell me what I can and cannot do. It's only me that can do that. And, um, and even within that, I need to be able to go and test myself and, um, and, you know, that, that's kind of part of my identity that, you know, I, I enjoy a test. So let's make this the next test. I love that. I love that. I, I, I do think there are some things I'm not going to be able to like uh, play guitar. <laughs> you know, I say that and I, I, I got to the point as I get older, you know, it's harder to learn a foreign language or play a musical instrument but there really is nothing that would be boundless, right? Unless, I, I, I guess, if you physically had lost a limb, you know, if you really were paralyzed, you know, and, and just things didn't connect, then of course. But for the most part, you're right. I mean, most of the stuff that people don't accomplish in the world is mental, right? More than anything else. They're choosing not to do it, or maybe they've maybe been conditioned you know, someone has told them they can't, like you said, and I, I think they're products of their environment. And, you know, I'm a big fan, as, as Brant knows, when we talk about all the time about learned behaviors, people are the way they are because they learn it from somebody, whether it's early, early on from their community, their parents, school, friends, religion, lack of religion. But really, unless there was a purely physical impairment, you can pretty much do anything if you put your mind to it. And, and, you know, not to get a little bit on, on, you know, the two democracies that we are lucky to live in. And I know we've got an international audience, but, you know, in some of these places, like in the U.S., you, you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. Mm. You know, so I, I love that, man. I think people probably need to not just hear your story, but just get to a place and maybe they need some help, like a therapist or a mentor or a friend to throw an arm around just to be a catalyst to get them Absolutely. to reset their thinking, you know, that, that, that's maybe yeah. what people could get out of that thought. Yeah, totally. And do you know what I think as well as part of that, because you have to remember at this point in time in this story, um, I'm a blank canvas now. So, um, you know, once you've gotten through all of these little things that you got, so you, I'm now beginning to see opportunity. I'm now beginning to see, uh, signs, messages that are telling me these things. And, and I, I remember it as clear as day. I was watching um, Eddie Hall. I don't know if you know who Eddie Hall is. He's uh, uh, used to be the world's strongest man. He's from the UK, oh, uh, a place called Stoke. Um, and at the time, he was um, attempting to become the first person to ever deadlift 500 kilograms. Mm. Um, and I remember watching this event live and uh, it's not a spoiler to tell anybody that he did it. Um, and um, and I just remember thinking to myself, holy shit, man. I mean, like, what goes through your head 
to one book, everybody around him was telling him that he couldn't do it. It, it could never be done. It's something that the human physique is just not going to be capable of doing. Um, and at the same time, I was then remember I was reminded of. Do you remember Felix Bimgartner when he jumped off that platform in space? Oh yeah. Um, and for yeah, you know, well, yeah. I, and I, the, all of these things I was kind of reading as signs. Uh, that was just something that came back to my mind. It wasn't something that happened at that particular time. But I just remember thinking to myself, what's what makes these people different to me? You know what? Like I have absolutely zero desire to go and jump off a platform in space, and I have I've got there's no way in the world that I am going to train myself to lift 500 kilograms, if I ever could. In any case, I think you you as you quite rightly say, there are some things that your biology can help you in, uh, and on your physiology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But nevertheless, the thought that I had at the time was, well, what's stopping you setting your stupid goal? You know, something that just seems mm -hmm. so ludicrous that people around you go, <laughs> you can't do that. That's madness. Yeah. Um, and that's when, uh, again, I just started started thinking a little bit differently towards the stuff that I, I wanted to do. And actually, you, you referenced the podcast, Jim. That was the first step for me in, in a bigger purpose, if you like, uh, in terms of, you know, yeah. one of the values that came out uh, when I did the work with the life coach was, in fact, the overriding value and this sounds really, really cliched, but my number one value is, is that I wanted to save the world. That's, you know, and it's obviously huge and big and it's unachievable, or or is it? And that's the, the kind of mentality that you have to, then have to go in. Now, I thought, well, actually, my world is hospitality. I want to I wanna go fix hospitality. That was kind of the first yeah. thought that I had. And so the podcast was the first step to that in order for me to then figure out what else things will just present themselves i will understand more about the problem the more people i talk to so um and the more joy that was bringing me every day because i'm getting to speak to people like you believe it or not it's quite a joyful thing to speak to you jim um you'd be the only one on the podcast mm. to say that just so you know <laughs> <laughs> one at one once you got past the head on what listen on, on wednesdays he's good on podcast day yeah. he's really good yeah. i um i love this you know it's so there's a a friend of ours named zoe chance um she teaches at yale uh, she wrote a book called influence is your superpower and she talks about the importance of framing and that's really what you're describing here is is rather than framing this uh, uh you know these doctors of what you can't do and it, you frame it in what you can do um, and, and amplifying that, you know, amplifying the positive rather than pointing out the negative. Um, we are seeing it now in the AI conversations with, with these organizations that are looking to draft values constitutions yeah. around AI. Um, and they are, they're doing it in all the wrong ways. They're, they're doing it on their, what they don't want AI to do rather than what they do want AI, uh, AI to, to do. So they're focusing on all the negatives rather than amplifying the positives. And the challenge with that is that um, in your case, when you've got somebody telling you all the things you can't do, um, it, it really affects your self-efficacy, right? It's, the, it's that belief of what you are capable of and what you're not capable mm -hmm. of. In the minute that somebody uh, loses self-efficacy in, in what they're doing, um, uh, the work that I, that I did, uh, 
two years ago at, at Cornell um, was uh, the white papers have been written to, to show that there is a 30% decrease in performance the minute you lose self-efficacy. Um, it's involuntary. It just happens. Um, and so knowing that that's the case, not only is it bad to tell somebody that they can't do something, the minute they you convince them that that's true, even if they tried, they're, they're, they're only trying at 70%. And so it is, it, it makes it even that much more difficult. It's why, uh, in, in the work in the, that we were doing, we had this whole section that we talked about high potentials and, you know, the, the idea of identifying high potentials within your workplace. Um, the truth is you have to treat everybody like they're high potentials. And if you don't, you actually are, are, are shooting yourself in the foot. Um, because the minute that somebody believes they're not high potential, you're going to see a 30% decrease in their performance. And so you have to treat everybody. And that includes yourself. You have to treat yourself like you have high potential. Um, if you want to see that maximum impact in your life. Yeah. I, I would also add as well that I, I absolutely do not think little of those around me in that moment who were, you know, saying that you, you can't do these things because of course they're just doing it from a position of love. You know, they, they totally. are, tr are trying to protect you. Yeah. Um, and I, yes. I absolutely get that. I a hundred percent got that. Um, but to, you know, you, you're, you kind of have to be the master of your own destiny when it comes to, to how you, you get out of it. Once you've certainly in my case, once I'd realized that I couldn't get there myself, um, and that yeah. I needed the, I, I needed a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. This is great, man. Bring us home. What is your third thought that rocks on how to get busy living? Yeah, this is a really simple one. And I, I think um, maybe I've always done this. I just really maybe haven't formalized the process in my head to do it. But it's, it's, uh, again, it sounds very cliched. I love a cliche. But find a joy every day. Just find some joy something that makes you happy every day. And only you can really know what that is. Um, that's the, the, the thing. So, you know, and I just, all I do every single day of my life, and this is not something I shout out into the world about, but I, I will just ask myself at various points in the day, and I've got kind of a natural um, routine, I suppose, of my day, which starts with exercise, work, dog walk, work, finish work, food, you know, all, all of these things. So in any moment where I'm kind of snapping myself from one task to the next, just ask the question, have you found joy today? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then at that moment, I'm going to go find it. And uh, if the answer is yes, then I'm going to go find it anyway, because like the, you can't have enough joy in, right? And so... And all of that's just made me a really a, a happier person. I think I've, it makes me naively optimistic, and it's something that I've that's a something that I've wrestled with as a as a virtue for a long time. But I am unapologetically naively optimistic now, and I think a lot of that has to do because I, every day I'm trying to find something that makes me happy, um, and that can be the dog walk. It can be list for me. My my sanctuary is listening to the music of Hans Zimmer. You know, so I, I know that if I'm having a bad moment, I'm just going to throw some hands on and I know that I'll, I'll be elevated by the end of time, Yeah. you know, in, from inception mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. the, the track is. Um, so, but what I'd say to, 
to anybody that's listening who kind of takes that on board, it's one thing to think it, but it is another thing to action it. Because I think in the throes of busyness and your day-to-day activity, I think it's something that, that a lot of people just toss down the road that I'll get to that at some point. But I think you have to deal with it front and center. Now I want uh, Top Gun playing in the background. I need some dun, 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 <laughs> something. <laughs> Harold Faltermere. Yeah. What a genius. You know, I uh, first off, um, again, speaking my language, I, I think I, I personally am a uh, glass full, full type of person. I'm a pretty positive guy. I think Brant will tell you, you know, there's not a lot of things that get to me. And I'm, I, I sort of have this abundance mentality, but Again, I'm a product of great parents, you know, great education. I was in a phenomenal job that was very positive. We're, just, you know, in in theory, yeah, we're making money. You know, me being 21 years of hard rock, but you know, that's disposable income for everybody in there. We're just making people's lives better, and it's it's rock and roll. Who can't like that? So I think that just sort of snowballs into what I get a chance to do now, but. You know, I do think people could probably fall into the trap of something happens to them instead of thinking this is happening for me. There's a layer that's been added to my life. It can enrich it or like what you're doing today. You're sharing something that maybe has been an obstacle, maybe super painful for you, but so that other people could figure out how they can get past that as well. And and taking that mindset of, of just whether it's starting your day or living your life in joy. Brant knows we just had a, um, we had somebody else, another guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, J.M. Ryerson, who spends like two and a half hours working on his body, his mind, his soul before he even gets to any work, really. Two and a half hours every single day. Now that might be overkill, but the one thing I did take out of all of that, because I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be working out for an hour, I can tell you that. I do like his idea that he doesn't even, get out of bed. He does not start his day till he at least says out loud for him, three things that he's grateful for. I, I got to believe that if you start your day doing that, and I've just started doing that now, I, I, I go, you can't help but be happier and be positive. It at least sets the tone. So I am yeah. so with you, man. I think there are so many things that you could do on your own just to make your own life happy, look for joy, but you know that's going to ooze out. You know that's going to parlay over to other people, and they're just going to be happier to be around you. I know Brant's happy to be around me all yeah. the time. It's a gift. Yeah, the gift it's, that just keeps on giving. With no hint of sarcasm at, <laughs> at all, all in his tone. In his answer, yeah. none, zero. Hans Zimmer's playing in the background right now. That's how. <laughs> that's how serious I am. <laughs> Let's hope so. So, so like, what are you, you know, as we wrap up here, just to give it a little specific, you sort of shared some of that. How, how would you be able to find joy? And, and I know it's going to be different for other people, but a couple of those, what, what would you sort of recommend to other people on ways that you could add joy into your life? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I absolutely have to check my own privilege here, um, as you kind of have alluded to yourself, because I am, I, I'm lucky enough and this is, I suppose, comes to the giving thanks, right? To you know, being grateful for what you've got. Um, I have always been somebody that's shot for the stars, um, but I have not always been somebody who's shot for the stars with hu- self humility. I think I've always been quite a humble guy outwardly, 
but I don't think I've ever been particularly humble with myself. Mm. So it's, um, you know, if you're having a bad day, if you wake up and you're just not feeling it, you're human, that's going to happen. It, you know, So just go with the flow of the energy. If If work is not where you should be going, go and do something that gives you the flow back and that i mean my own place for that is exercise every time i just always feel better a different human being after mm. i've exercised uh, a happier a happier person and of course there's science around why that is um of course but um yeah but you know i think i, I just have such a really great grounding and that's why i I'd, i'm checking my privilege on this because you know I, I've, I've got a, a wonderful wife i've got a the, the best dog in the world I have, uh, mm. you know, I have parents who have been behind me 100% of my life. Uh, I've got a great brother, you know, so all of these things. But what I'd say to people who are listening to this who don't necessarily have all of these things, and this, this sounds like quite a grand wise idea, and I, I know some people will probably swear at me when I say this, but, you know, you're responsible for your own joy. Whatever's going on in your world, however desperate and horrible that might be in a particular moment, you still have the capability, even though you might not think it, to be able to react to whatever is happening to you in a, a way that will make things better. Um, and it's a very basic principle in uh, neuro-linguistic programming, uh, I believe. Um, but I do believe it because I, I kind of am a case in point. Shit happens. Shit has happened to me. And, um, you know, and yes, I, I didn't deal with it perfectly in the moment. But I dealt with it perfectly to be able to get to, to where I needed to get to with it. So, um, yeah, I, that absolutely probably doesn't answer your question. Um, no, it does. It's such a personal thing, what brings you joy. Yeah. Uh, that I think it probably totally. even is such a, a simple task as just go and get a piece of paper and a pen and write down the stuff that makes you happy. Yeah. And then make sure you're filling your day with some of those things. Well, speaking of writing down, I mean, we definitely will have all of your information in the show notes and these three thoughts. I wrote down, find your legacy vision for true life change. Uh, the second, focus on the things you can do. And just that third one, um, very simple, find some joy every day. And those are all fantastic. Phil, if people want to get uh, more information about you or get in touch with you, you know, regardless of where they are in the world, where should we send people? I, I'm a, a LinkedIner, so I am okay. uh, everywhere in all places across LinkedIn. So people can re reach out to me. I'm I'm Phil Street, F-I-H, which is because I'm a fellow of the Institute of Hospitality. Um, that's probably the best place to, to start. But if that's if you're not on LinkedIn yourself, then uh, d they should just go to the, the podcast, hospitalitymeets.co.uk. Just reach out through there and I will, uh, I'll happily talk to anybody about anything. That is one of my gifts, I think. That's awesome. No, for sometimes, sure. sometimes a gift it probably depends on Love perspective it. of the other person, but there we are for <laughs> sure. Well, I don't know um, if somebody deadlifts uh, kilograms, if that's a lot, we, we talk in pounds over here. So I don't know if that's a lot. Um, yeah. I've been thinking yeah I mean, it's it's ha half a ton. Ha okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. It's maybe like ha half a, half a, uh, I don't know, Cadillac. Just make it up. Just yeah. make it up. I'm going to agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and my question that I'll be thinking about is if your dog barks with an accent. I, I wonder if it's yeah. different. Yeah, it's a, it's a very Scottish woof. It's a woof. 
Ay, wish. Ay, wolf. Ay. <laughs> Boy, your dog would have like an eye patch, like a pirate dog. Yeah, that's right. Arr. Phil, we can't think. Oh, this is a, that's a whole different podcast on its own, I think. Yes. Do- dogs barking with accents. There we are. We've got the next million, million dollar idea. You know what? It'll make Very more niche. money than what we've done together. I'm sure. Yeah, that's I'm right. It's the truth. It, that, Brand, that's at least great TikTok. You should be jumping on that right now. I agree. It should be the same. That's right. Dog. Dogs wolf. Dogs barking in accents. Dog with a derby yes. hat. Dog with a patch. Dog with an ascot. Yes. Like it's the, the whole time. That's right. I don't know where this is going. Oof. And Phil, we're so happy that you stopped by. And I know it's uh, it's obviously um, six, seven hours ahead on, on your side of the pond. But this was great. Thanks for being such a great friend to me and just for the continued interest in the stuff that Pleasure. Brant and I do. And, uh, and this is good. I think, believe it or not, it, it's such a refreshing change to not just be all business, although we've had some very poignant, very specific um, and sometimes emotional episodes. I didn't know this one was going to go in, in sort of that personal direction, but man, we're, we're so honored that you just shared that and, and we're sort of an open book for us. So rock on, man. It means nah, thanks. Thank you. I, I mean, I think the thing is, is that, yes, it's, it's, it's a personal journey, but so much of that you can apply to sure. any phase of your life sure. in any case. Truth. You know, um, so there's, as I said, I think at the head of the show, there's a, there's a, a lot of crossover between personal and business yeah in any case especially if you're trying to find joy every day yeah um you know if you if you're not finding joy in the business that you do then it's time to change business well keep doing what you're doing brother Agreed. we'll My we'll job. send as many people your way as possible and check out all the awesome things that you're doing so you're the best man we'll see you soon thanks so much guys you got it rock on take care cheers Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.